Hey everybody, Liz here and welcome to another episode of Little Pod Workshop, a podcast about art, creativity, and finding your inspiration. Each week I sit down with a fellow creator to discuss their artist's journey and what art and artistic expression truly mean to them. Let's get started. In our last episode, you met Mary Manchin of The Past You've Never Seen, a California artist who specializes in digital art and taxidermy sculpture. In this installment, Mary and I discuss what it means to be a working artist, go more in depth into her process both as a sculptor and a digital artist, and talk about what taxidermy bats go for these days. Walk me through your process. How do you start with either with your photo composites or with your terrariums? Did <laughs> yes. I even get that close? You did. You did. You got it. Woo! So with my photo composites, it's I pretty much start with a picture. And I get them in oddity shops or estate sales. And then I scan in the pictures so then I can make sure that I keep the originals. And then from there, it's honestly, and it's a little bit more difficult for me now, which is unfortunate. And I know the reason why. But typically what it is, is I stare at the picture and I go with the first thing that comes to me. So a lot of what you see, which is why it freaks people out even more when they look at the pieces, is that... That is more than likely what the first thing has come to me when I look at that photo. I call one multiple personalities and it's this woman in a kitchen and she's like in a 1930s dress and she's doing the dishes. What you don't notice at first is that she has two faces, one that's looking down doing the dishes and the other one's looking up at you. And the other one that people kind of miss, and I like to do my photos in black and white because I feel like color... I've been colorizing them, but I feel like it does make it pop, but it also, I want you to focus on the piece and not look at the colors of what's drawing you where. For example, I've colorized this piece and all the details of the woman having two faces comes out a lot more, as well as the dead body that's hidden under the stove comes (laughs) out a lot more. But like, if you're looking at the photo in black and white, she's hidden in shadow, but she's there, but she's enough to where you don't catch her at first. Compared to now where it's like she's got jeans on. Like she shows up in blue compared to underneath the white stove. Like, I don't know. It's a little obvious, yeah. Yeah, it's more obvious. And that's something that I really appreciated about like that time period because they didn't do color was that you focused more on the photo and what was going on and who was in it. Not what colors they were wearing or what they were wearing and all that stuff. As well as I feel like there's a lot of photos, they don't have the same impact if they're colorized. Not only because of like the amount of details that's now popped out, but because some pieces are just beautiful black and white. Uh But I digress. So I kind of start my process with that where I find the image. Oddity shops have come to know me quite well because I go in and they do such great deals where it's like they have boxes and boxes and boxes of just old photos and I will sit there for hours and I will go through all the old boxes and I will pick them up each photo and just go through and they only sell them for like five for a dollar and I'm like done okay I'm gonna be like an old old lady hoarder by the time I'm like (laughs) floor to ceiling pictures but when I'm looking through the photos I'm not only looking for photos that I want to manipulate and digitally paint over, but I'm also looking at photos that look similar. So if I want to, and if I see something different from when I first looked at the image, I could easily transfer that face over. That sounds so strange. I can transfer that face over to the other image, and Uh it still has that old feeling, and I don't lose it, and you're still seeing an original person, but 
they've been altered because your psyche is now looking at it and being like, that's totally the same person, but maybe like four years older. And it's one of those things where it takes a lot of research and time to find images like that. I also find images based on just looking at backgrounds. I like that background. Cool. Great. I could manipulate that background and put some galaxies up there and do all that fun stuff. From there, once I've scanned them all in and I've got the row that I want of like the photos that I want to use for it. I sit at my desk typically because if I go anywhere else, I get distracted. But <laughs> I will sit at my desk and I have like one of those, um, the giant Wacom tablets uh -huh. You can draw on and I listen to electro swing. I make the piece until it's done. I don't like and it's I'm very weird in the sense of I do not like returning to an image. If I have if I'm to work on a piece, I work on it and I work on it as long as I need to and it gets done that day. No, I feel you. I'm the very same with with my figures. It's like I don't want to have to come back and because I feel like if I'm going to come back, I'm going to second guess myself on all the details. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so that's that's how I like that's how I work and I function and I feel like it's best and like if need be like I'll go to the photo later and because I've I've realized and to kind of go back to like you second guessing yourself I've found for myself that if I sit there and I work through it and I just keep cranking through I am more comfortable doing it and looking at it and going back to it numerous times than if I had left it at all. So that makes me kind of, it feel, makes me feel more confident in the pieces because I know that that's the original thing that I wanted and that's what I went for compared to coming back and being like, oh, sweet Jesus, what have I done? Why is, why did I put three head, cat heads instead of two? Like, which is another one of my pieces. I have those moments. And then if I'm, which is also very weird and very specific now that I'm saying it out loud, is if I work on my art, like my taxidermy terrariums, my terrariums i have to work on a specific table all the stuff the way that kind of functions is i either find the vessel first like the lanterns i typically like working with lanterns or candle holders i like finding those which can either range from michael's and i dirty them up and rusty them up if i can't find what i really like or if i don't have like as much as much funds because typically i go to like estate sales and oddity shops or i go to conventions and i will purchase from other people who have gone to oddity shops and that's literally what and they've essentially created little oddity shops as their tables and i go support their those artists purchase things from them i go to the taxidermists at those shows support them Purchase all my stuff, nothing from, but everybody from a convention, unless I go to a store called Necromance, which she is the sweetest woman I have ever met, the owner of the store. And she's actually been helping me with like business tips and tricks because she has created this one of the, like the most popular taxidermy stores in Hollywood. And she's been there for like 25 years and has created this with her husband. And it's, one of the most beautiful, deadliest places. And it's on Melrose. So you're like, oh my God, I'm going to go shopping over here. Ah! And then dead stuff. And I'm like, yes. Okay, you go over there. I'll see you later. Bye, BFF. Okay, great. I'm over here. Give me the dead things. But it is one of those things where it either comes from the animal or the, the bug that I'm working with. And I build from there of what I want to do. Or it's the vessel. And even if I find something that I want to work with, but I can't find the perfect item. 
I kind of hold it to the side. I purchase it and I, it just kind of lives with me for a bit. But it is one of those things where, like, it is the strangest thing for my neighbors. I was selling at the Oddities Flea Market and that was my first show that I sold out. And I would highly recommend going to check it out at least once. I think I'm going to try to do like the Austin show in October. But there's this, this taxidermist that had, they had like a cat and it's in like this giant glass container. And it's nothing but the bones. It's not together. And it's just like a cat skeleton in a jar. I can't tell it's a cat. But it's one of those things where I was like, I need it. Because immediately my mind was like, I could put this in so many pieces. Some pieces that I've been wanting to do is dream catchers. But in the center is like a taxidermy piece with it wrapped around. And then like bones as like where like feathers are typically at the bottom. Oh, that'd be cool. So I've been trying to figure out how to make dream catchers, which is why that hasn't been shown. That's a journey on its own. I have strange instances where I run into like my neighbors and I've got a jar full of bones in my hands. And I'm like, hey guys, have a nice night. It's kind of goes from like there. And then when I have the actual pieces in front of me, I, like I feel like I've got all the pieces I need. I then lay them out on my table and I just work from there. It's interesting because when I'm working on my photo manipulations, I must listen to Electro Swing. But if I'm working on the terrariums, I only listen to classic rock. That is it. Like I won't. <laughs> like, whatever works, man. Whatever <laughs> works. But it is one of those things where it's it's just a great process. And everybody always asks me, like, how did you come about this? Because I have like random plastic eyes and that I find at like Michael's. And I'm like, it was on sale. Really enjoyed it and thought it was weird. And now I've just stuck it in with this like gopher head. I don't know. Like I needed a stand for the head and here we are. But I put a lot of time and effort into all my pieces and it, I sell my pieces essentially right now, which is another thing that artists I feel like struggle with is overselling or underselling your work. Oh God, yes. I currently sell my work and I get yelled at by so many people and I'm like, you know what? Because I get sassy with them after a while. Is I sell my work for what it takes to purchase the pieces and then like maybe like 20, 30 bucks extra for like what I've actually done because I like spend the day and I also like I mass produce stuff. So it's not like I'm like, it has taken four hours to make this piece. It's like, no, I put moss in every single one. Then I go with all the bones. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Like 20, 30 bucks here adds up after a while. I don't know. I undersell my piece, but I also want my stuff, which drives me nuts, especially in like taxidermy land, is that you need to give your worth, but you also need to make sure that people can afford your stuff. That goes with anything, but it also, like it really affects me with taxidermy because it's like, I have purchased this stuff from somebody that has professionally done this. I buy my stuff from taxidermists. I also buy my stuff from biologists that no longer need what they're working with. So I'm supporting them, but I also need to make sure I'm supporting myself. And people get so upset that I'm either, they think I'm overselling my stuff or I'm underselling. And it's one. it gets to one of those points where when people get upset with me, I'm probably a little bit more bold than what others would do in this business tactic is I immediately go, well, you're going to purchase it for the amount that I have here. They're like, well, no. And I was like, okay, so see my dilemma here of you're telling me that I'm underselling it, but you won't even purchase it at the point that it is now. So why would I make it more? And they're like, oh, well, I mean, I guess. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So either come over here and sell my shit or I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it how I'm doing it. That's my process. And I 
undersell my stuff for based on how much time I spend on it. And it also gets to a point where it's difficult too if like a friend wants to purchase your work and you're like, I don't, okay, great. <laughs> it's a very hard line. Like I always, whenever I commission a friend, I'm like, do not try to give me a discount. Like do not try to give me a friends and family thing. Like I want to pay you yeah. what you're worth because I know the feeling of not being paid what I'm worth. Yeah. And I, I think that, and I think that that's one thing that, um, people don't is that there's technically there's two parts to you when you think about it. there's the artist there's the creative there's the one that makes all the pieces there's so the, and then there's the business person mm -hmm. there's the person that has to you know customer service has to do all the shipping has to take care of you know am I going to make rent this month because I spent too much in your case on cat bones <laughs> yeah <laughs> like there's technically two people in one person and I know from my experience, those two people tend to butt heads a lot. Yeah, for me too. And it gets, it gets very difficult. And the way that I kind of try to, on a business perspective, as well as like a personal perspective, is I have created a whole bank account where that is just my convention stuff. So if I can't afford it, I do not do it, <laughs> which helps. It also very much sucks because I look at my other bank account and I'm like, it's not great, but I could pay for that booth. <laughs> like live on ramen for a few weeks. <laughs> like. But you, yeah, you shouldn't. And so that's for me as a businesswoman, I've tried to separate my bank accounts to make sure that on top of if I, if and when I like make it like a full official business, because then you also have to go through that aspect of when you're dealing with like your business is, do I get seller's permit or a full-time seller's, like a small business permit where it comes in and like which one's the advantage and you just run into all these situations where you're just even as an artist you don't think of like oh yeah I gotta think about taxes great and like if you don't have a full-time seller's permit and create like it make it as like a small business then you get taxed twice when you think about it and you go through all these aspects that people aren't understanding when you're going through it. And you're just like, I'm trying to make a living. And that's what I get to a point where when people get kind of piffed at my prices, I make it very clear where I'm like, look, all you're paying for is how much it costs me plus like 30 bucks. You're supporting me, but really you're getting a great deal out of this because if you were to go down the hall, down the aisle over there, you're going to get charged $400 for not the same piece and less detail put to it. I was like, your call. And that's a thing that I've realized that a lot of people, for all you sellers out there, for you, is that if you're more transparent with them, they're more willing to purchase from you, which is extremely nice. And it's like eye opening. But like if I were to talk to like a family member and they're like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, do you, if you were walking down there and you went to a like a vendor don't you want to know like what they're going through like what you're about to get or how much why it costs the way it does no i don't like, think we want to think about that because we buy things from amazon we buy things from walmart and we don't want to think about where it comes from that's fair that's fair <laughs> but i mean it is a thing too where like i like to put in the perspective that at least for my pieces is that for example a bat a bat can range Fun fact for you all, fun fact for you. A bat can range from $25 for a small one, or it can get up to like $175 for a bat. And that's the normal range. $75 for a bat or so for like a little bit bigger than the smaller one. And then like it gets so ridiculous. If you want his, his wings out, who you're getting towards like $200. It's ridiculous. It's one of those things where people don't expect that and they don't understand that that's what you're going through. And so the moment I get to a point where I'm like, look, the bat is 75 alone. 
I'm charging 120. You're pretty much making a deal out of this. Like I'm even charging less right now to friggin' sell the thing. But it is one of those things where like if I've got a bat and they're willing to spend $400 on that friggin' bat that I know costs 175, I will full out say, look, you can buy this one detailed. This is how much the bat cost me. I'll tell you how much the vessel cost me. Go down there. You're going to charge. You're going to go buy that freaking thing for 400 bucks when I know it's 175 and you can go purchase it here for 175 and they're like then they go look at it see the actual price come back and that sucks because I've taken a sale away from a vendor but it's more than likely where I'm running into is company it's a company mm-hmm. that's come and decide to freaking sell this stupid thing stupid bats but <laughs> Are you sure you're over your bat, your bat issue? Or are you- the small ones, the small ones, the, the bigger ones, not so much. Cause even when I take them out of the packaging, I get freaked out because the, normally like their mouths are open. You see their little teeth, look at their cute little teeth, but you see that mouth and you're like, just imagine if he's just been sleeping this whole time and y'all thought he was dead and all of a sudden he comes out and kills him. <laughs> <in my> sleep. <laughs> that's where my mind goes. I'm not, <laughs> that's where. Yep, I can't. I have not gotten over my fear of spiders. I can give you that one. So much that I had. I have a scar in my hand from when I was trying to make a pendant with it. I got a Black Widow spider. Did not know that I had gotten a bigger version of a Black Widow spider. Like, normally they're like half a centimeter. They're tiny. Yeah, they're tiny, which makes it even more terrifying. Thank you. I hate spiders. I hate spiders with a burning passion. Like, I would take a scorpion over a freaking spider. Like, that's how bad it is. I didn't realize that I had grabbed a Black Widow. Like, I didn't know. It's just in the vial. I didn't know at first how small they're supposed to look. I grabbed one that was like an inch and a half. It had like a big butt. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and it got... It was so big that it got stuck in the vial and I was ugly crying the whole time trying to get it out. And I was like, this is the most miserable thing I've ever done. Why am I doing this? And then I was trying to get the resin out and I sliced my hand open. And then that's why I was like injured and couldn't do anything. Like we freaked out by the spider trying to open up a resin bottle. First time working with resin, everything was going terribly. Just running around my apartment with blood squirting everywhere, wondering oh. what I do. Like, <laughs> it was a fun time, it was a fun time. You live and you learn, I guess. <laughs> I learned I will never work with a spider ever again. That's fair. I I have a spider problem too, and, and that sucks because I love Spider-Man, but like I can't- But he's like, an adorable can't... spider. He is. He is an adorable spider, but he's never going to make me like them. I'll usually just leave them alone for the most part because I'm just like, okay, you you eat the mosquitoes. We have a bad mosquito problem here. You take care of that. I'll leave you alone. But if you look at me, if you look at me, you're dead. You're a dead man. (laughs) You're done. I can't deal with the eyes. The eyes are the creepiest part. Like, why should anything have that many eyes? The little legs and how fast they move. Oh, Oh, my God. Stop it. (laughs) I'm a bug hunter. He eats them. There you go. Everyone should get a cat. There's a couple of questions that I, like, like, big picture questions. Yeah, yeah. Go. What do you feel has been your greatest triumph as an artist? Whether it's like a specific creation you've made or just like a skill you've learned? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I don't think we get to celebrate the triumphs as much as we do the failures. And yeah. at least in my experience, like we tend to dwell on what didn't work. I had made this beautiful piece. 
I'm very proud of it. And there's one of the Twitter peeps. Uh, his name is Roy. He had taken a picture of this piece. It is this beautiful, and I had just sold it after making it two years ago. And that was a, an amazing feeling was I had built this piece. I loved it dearly. And it was so nice to see it go to a nice home. But it's it's that nice feeling of seeing how happy the pieces make, I guess I would say, is like a big triumph. Because like a lot of kids, which is a very weird thing to think about, a lot of kids buy my work. I mean like ranging from like 5 to 13 year olds are buying my work. I have a soft spot for them. It's, it's bad. It's a really nice feeling. And it's a great thing to see of like, I wanted to always make work for everybody. And I know my art's not for everybody, but I wanted the youngest of kids to enjoy my work to the oldest of people. And it was a great feeling and a great triumph to be able to finally successfully not only make the pieces, but market and figure out how to sell it. Make it so like they could appreciate and enjoy it too. And if they wanted wanting something that creepy, they could. These kids were purchasing like my little tiny Zen gardens and my little mini graveyards, which is what really set off all the taxidermy things was those little mini graveyards I had made as like the crew gift. That's what really set it off and was now it is what it is. I was doing fine, but after making that, that's when my art really took off. And so I guess that would be my biggest triumph. I, I love that feeling, too, of something going to a happy home, something finding its forever home. Yeah. Hmm? What's your biggest triumph? Oh, Lord. See? Right? right? It's very hard to think about it. Like, I know, like, I yeah. asked that question because I know it's hard for me to pick. I mean, honest, honestly, like, I would feel like my greatest triumph would be just the skills that I've gotten to build up over three, four years. You know, because originally I started not being able to paint a straight line and now like I'm doing like patterns and my eyebrows look somewhat straight now and I can paint the eyes and they don't look like they're bug-eyed I, I I would probably say it's just the where I've come like from where I started to where I am now which is the biggest triumph of all yes and and I and I like that perspective because it kind of leaves room for more triumphs down the road. I'm not done yet. No, and that's the amazing thing and great thing about art is that you're never you're never done. Like you can always go on to the next piece and you can always improve and everybody says that they're a perfectionist, which is true. They can be, but you're never always going to reach that and so you're always working to become a perfectionist, which is, I think, a nice attribute to have, especially as an artist, because then you can really focus on what your skills you want to improve are. And then I guess finally, another big, big picture question. What does, yes, yes. What does art mean to you? Art means to me that you are expressing yourself or something that you love in a way that can't be described with words. Art as like a whole, like what it means to me in general. Is that what you mean? Yeah, just like, like, like the practice of it. Like for you, 
getting to make art, what does that mean to you? For me, it's my happy place. It's my Zen place. For me, it means like what, what I can't show or like, like my photo pieces. It's always things that I've always wanted. Not in reality, I should say. Pieces that I've wanted, but I could never find. And even when I create a piece and somebody may create something similar, is that it's never ever going to be the same. And that's what's nice is everything, every art piece that you make is unique as you are unique to this world. So in a way, each art piece is like a person. But each one is very unique. And even if it's replicated, it's not replicated on the same piece of paper. There's maybe variations or something on the paper that changed ever so slightly. I don't know. Like everything's just so different, even though it looks or has a similar feel, which is something that I appreciate about art. And art, for me, keeps me keeps me sane and lets me express myself. And even though my art is on the darker side, and as I quote, am, I am such a brighter person, everybody has that dark side to them. And I just express it. And it's not like I'm going to act on those darker things, you know, because it's not like actually something that would happen at all. But it's like it's those things that they make you think, the things that make you go that go bump in the night. Like you get a different aspect on life. And that's something that I really appreciate, which is why I do the, the photo manipulations is you never really know the true and you never will know the true story behind a photo because you weren't there to live it. And even as the years are going on, if you're, say, like that person from like the 1900s when or you, like you were there that day that that photo was taken, you're not always going to remember all aspects of everything that happened that day and what led to you looking the way that you did or how you reacted when the photo was taken or seeing or acknowledging what was happening in that photo, like what was going through your head. So you're also getting a different perspective of what it could be the past and that the past is never truly as it seems. I think that's what makes art so special is that it's it's literally our way of showing each other how we see our world around us. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me, Mary. You can find Mary and her interesting pieces on Twitter and Instagram at pastneverseen and on her website, marymansion.com. You can support her work through Etsy at The Past You've Never Seen and through Patreon at Mary Mansion. Thanks for joining us here this week on Little Pod Workshop. Make sure to visit my website, littlepopworkshop.com, for complete transcripts of each episode and subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or your favorite podcasting app so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you like the podcast, please leave a rating on iTunes or simply tell a friend and spread the word. If you're a creator who would like to participate in a future episode, drop me an email at littlepodworkshop at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next guest. Little Pod Workshop is copyright 2019 by Elizabeth Evans. All rights reserved.